Hi, this is Mark from The Third Mike, and you're listening to the BS Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Soren with the Magic Our Way podcast. My name is Mr. Mononymous, and I'll be your chief flight attendant today. We'll begin boarding in just a few minutes, but first I'd like to acquaint you with the rest of your flight crew. First, we have your pilot and co-pilots, Kevin and Danny. These artistic buffs will launch you from New Orleans to soar over all things Disney. Your entertainment director is Ivory Comics proprietor Eli. Be sure to check your in-flight magazine for a sneak peek at his comic, Project Geisha. Nice work, pal. Soon you'll be airborne. If you or your little aviators would like to reach the flight crew at any time, be sure to check out magicourway.com, where you can find links to Facebook, Twitter, email, or send in a voicemail. And, of course, you can book your next Soarin' flight with your platinum-level earmarked travel agent, Lee Lastavica, from Magical Moments Vacations. Remember, you've got a friend in Lee. Okay, let's review. Kevin, Danny, Eli Lee, Artistic Buffs, Disney stuff. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Chombo, everyone. Rambe. Jumbo, everyone! Harambe! And welcome to another edition of the, the Magic, Magic Our Way, Way podcast. podcast. The hills are alive with the sound of Jim's stories. <laughs> Asante-san, everyone. You are listening to the Magic Way podcast from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the United States of America. We are Artistic Bus talking about Disney stuff. www.magicourway.com is where you can find us. My name is Kevin. And I am Danny. And with us today, we have a resident comic genius from ivorycomics.com, Mr. Eli Ivory. How you doing, sir? Oh, I'm good. And a long kiss goodnight to everybody out there in Mawekin <laughs> land, too. Boy, Kevin, you got some kind of melodious voice. I had missed that. You like that? Oh, yeah. You oh, give him man. a long kiss goodnight? <laughs> smoochie boochies. Smoochie. <laughs> smoochie boochies. Man, I love that. And... We have in the studio our I know more than your friend, the suck it up, tough, loving, ever so lovely travel agent from Magical Moments Vacations, mosquito killing date night at Denny's with moons over Miami, Mr. Lee, no hassle, Vika. Good Lord. Show me the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. talk. Here comes the money. Hey, must be the money. Show me the money! Welcome to Fat City, sir. How are you? Oh, man, I'm ready to snap into a Slim Jim. Let me tell you. Fat, fat, and all that. All that. (laughs) Tell him about that. Yeah. You're busy working, man. Man, Let me tell you how good. This man is working while podcasting. He is booking trips while podcasting. This is amazing. I'll tell you, I had one ear on hold music with Disney, and the other ear listening to you guys talk, and it's like... Man, I couldn't I couldn't keep the two in straight in my head and it's yeah, it's fun. But you know, hey, that's what we do. When people book those last minute trips, man, you gotta get it when you see it. So, you know, I had to take care of the had to take care of the peoples. Hey, we yeah. appreciate it, man. Look, yeah. you hook up their dreams before you tantalize their ears with your melodious voice. <laughs> Multitasking. And also in the studio, we have a very special guest from way down the bayou, off for some weekend himself, Mr. Kirk Landry. 
Hey, and happy Gala- Galaxy's Edge to everyone. What was that? Was that like a little pop gun going on? That was a little pop gun. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> was that cannonballs going off in the background? I don't know if it was that big. How you doing, sir? I am awesome. Thank yeah. you for having me again. Thank hey, you for coming oh, in. Man. Always welcome, man. Look, always welcome. We're, we're not going to get in, into it too much in the show we're about ready to do, but I mean, you're instrumental in why we're doing the show we're about to do. And, and, and what did you do? What did you do for us? Yeah. Off some weekend? All I did was I sent an email to a Disney celebrity or Disney fan celebrity. Did you flash your badge? I say, did you <laughs> dig us some dirt with your friends at the FBI? Or you say, hey, look. I flashed something, but it wasn't a badge. You Whoa. say, now. Nah. Show him a little stroke, a, huh? She got his nightstick. And then I realized I had the wrong email address. <laughs> oh, who'd you send it to then? And I'm still getting dirty responses in my email. I had to block the, the address. So. You're like RussianBrides.com. Hey depending, <laughs> on, hey, depending on who it is, you could be singing. Here comes the money. Here we go. But anyway, guys, we have a great show for you today, man. Uh, as you can tell from our intro, two words. Jim Hill. Yes. Boom. Boom. Drops the mic. Stick it in there. Walks away, and that's about it. So, Mawikens, ladies and gentlemen, enough of my jibber-jabber. Let's go make some magic. Welcome to the Hub. If you're any kind of Disney fan, especially if you're active in the Disney fan universe, you will know who our guest is for this show. He does a podcast with Lynn Testa called The Unofficial Guide Disney Dish, and he is an award-winning entertainment writer. For over 30 years, he has given us the history, latest news, and rumors regarding themed entertainment companies such as the Walt Disney Company and Universal Studios, just to name a few. Moeekins, ladies and gentlemen, we humbly present to you Mr. Jim Hill. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I, I'm sorry. I can't live up to that building. Okay. <laughs> You know, yes, Kevin. he walks on water. He does the wine thing. You know, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I, I didn't plan on doing this for 30 years. It just you kind of looked up and it's like, hey, how did it get to be 30 years? Jeez, I should have gotten a real job by now. So. <laughs> well, you got a following. Isn't that better? <laughs> well, you know, the, 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 but again, you know, just what is the old Groucho Marx joke? I would never want to belong to a club that would have me as a member. So, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> You're right. Uh, right. Um, well, it just, I mean, just, just as a Disney fan, it, it is an honor to have you on our show. You know, it's just for years hearing you on other shows and other podcasts to actually know that you're on the other end of the line is just something surreal to us. Yes. <laughs> you know, so we definitely appreciate you taking the time to come on and then having a little chat with us. Well, again, I appreciate the invite, and particularly given the topic that you guys want to talk about tonight. I mean, you know, well, again, I'm I'm going to spoil things. You, you, you guys do the intro. What are basically what we're here to talk about is a little director, a little quote unquote, a guy by the name of Tim Burton, and his relationship with the Disney company. Yes. So on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. The guy who has joked that he has been hired and fired by Disney three or four times in his life. Yes. There were a little revolving door policy that he has with them, relationship. And, and uh, remember, he, he's working on Dumbo right now, so he could get fired again. You know, it just, <laughs> you know, so. And the world keeps revolving, right? <laughs> He'll there be okay. So. He's got a name, I think. Well, yeah, but, but even then it took, you know, the interesting thing with Dumbo is that, again, this is Tim Burton's Dumbo. And, and it, it even took Disney a while to sign off on it. But, but. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll get to that part of the story. I mean, 
Um, I, I guess for me, what intrigues me about Tim is he he literally grew up outside of of the Disney gates. I mean, he's a Burbank boy. Again, mm-hmm. it was you know right in the neighborhood. In fact, it's it's kind of ironic. His first first professional check, I want to say, was actually he won a contest for designing a logo for the Burbank Sanitation Department for for some sort of campaign they had. And you know, it's it's sort of <laughs> mo- monstrous zombified you know sanitation worker like do your part. You know, like, oh, Get that part. trash. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, Tim in a weird sort of way was was in the right place at the right time. Uh, you know, Disney in the seventies. Uh, you know, it, it, again, the nine old men were getting old and, mm-hmm. and were retiring, and and you know, you had the second tier of animators coming up, and you know, you had folks like Wooly Reitherman, who you know, the the director of films like uh, Robin Hood and that sort of thing, who. We're getting kind of famous at that point where, where people would come in and pitch movies and you go, no, we don't have anybody in the building who can do that anymore. Or, you know, that effect, you know, it's like, no, we can't do fire. That's too costly. And it just it became apparent that they really needed some new blood. And, uh, you know, the irony is that the Disney family had been propping up Cal Arts uh, for, you know, since Walt had died in 66. And finally, you know, Disney was like, well, what are we paying them all this money for? You know, they, aren't we get, should we get something out of it? And so they decided to set up an animation program. So, you know, it, it, it was, it, you know, sort of two things came together. You know, the notion of there was a genuine need to get new animators into the building. And, and Disney was you know, <laughs> tired of pouring money down the CalArts rat hole, mm-hmm. you know, and so without getting something out of it. So Tim, you know, he wanted to animate because he, you know, he'd grown up kind of watching animation and loving the stuff, you know, whether it's the films of Ray Harryhausen or, or that sort of thing. And so the fact that this program came along at the right time and he was in the right place, and, and again, a Burbank boy, um, you know, he, he went in and you know, Disney immediately saw that he had talent, um, you know, that he did, uh, you know, uh, two student films that really caught Disney's attention. One was about a mutant carrot, and <laughs> the, the other one was about a really mean dentist. And, you know, it, that was the thing, it, you know, Disney immediately saw that he he had talent, but, you know, it was also that he was dark, you know, that, that he had a really dark bend on things, and... You know, they thought, well, we can change that. We can fix that. Get him in the building. We'll go we'll, we'll, we'll get this sorted out. And, um, you know, they, obviously that's not quite how it went down. Um, you know, Tim stayed true to who Tim was. In fact, there were these great stories of, um, you know, you know, he did a lot of design work on the, 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 uh, the Black Cauldron. And, in fact, they put him in a room with Andrea Stasia, um, and, you know, Andreas is, is one of the great draftsmen of Rage, but he specializes in cute and, you know, so, or, or very likable looking, you know, relatable characters. And, you know, and you look at what Tim does, where it's just sort of like, again, this is the guy who brought us the Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in fact, there's a famous story of, you know, the, the executives coming in and here's all of Andreas's very relatable Black Cauldron figures. And here's, you know, uh, you know on the other the wall is all of Tim's stuff where it's, you know, creatures with just legs and mouths. And it's like, you know, we're kind of leaning more in Andreas's direction. <laughs> could, could you maybe do more like this? And, 
You would think of all the Disney movies, the Black Cauldron, they could have found a fit. But if you if you can't animate that, then I guess uh, you just don't fit their style. No, I mean the the Black Cauldron. And the interesting thing, talking uh, again with Mike, he, he he talked about that this period in the company. And if you actually go back PR of this period, it's it's you know it's like this is going to be the Snow White for our next generation of of you know of, of animators. And it's just sort of like. Did you look at the movie while you were animating it? You know, at one point, you know, Snow White and the big scary guy who has antlers coming out of his head. You know, it's like, well, of course, yes. Let's 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 sing some happy songs. Um, that speaks yeah. of romance, right there. Um, but at the same time, there were people in the building who just loved him. I mean, Mike Peraza, who went to school uh, with Tim at CalArts, they ended up sharing a room together, and they. They had a very similar sense of humor. So, you know, one day they decided to build a castle inside of their room at, at Disney. I mean, they went out and they got cardboard and, and built, you know, this castle and surrounded both of their desks. And the only way in, in to to see them was you had to lower the cardboard drawbridge. And, you know, <laughs> at, at, one, at one point their manager comes in and it's like, guys, guys. It's like, uh, guys, I can see your feet. I know you're inside the castle. All right. Nobody home. <laughs> we know there. We know there. But, he, you know, and, 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 and at the same time, because they recognized he was a talent, they did give him money. I, you know, that, that's, for example, Vincent was made on a dime, um, but it was so um, amazing and original. And the fact that, you know, Tim was able to persuade the Vincent Price um, who remember Dis? You know, you know. In fact, the interesting thing is on the back of getting him to do the voice for Vincent is how they got him to be, uh, you know, the the Radigan character in the Great Mouse Detective. I mean, wow. it, it, it's that's you know a chicken and the egg situation. <laughs> that you know, while he was in the building, it's like, by the way, we have this other thing we'd really like you to do. Um, oh, I, and I guess I should mention that, that uh, again, Mike told this great story. I, I was I actually just did the D- Dayton Disneyana event with him, and he and his wife, Patty, were the, the other guests at this thing. And, uh, again, he was sharing these great stories about how he and Tim would just hang out. And it would be Saturday night. And so, you know, they, there was this theater in Hollywood that every uh, midnight on, on, on a Saturday, they'd show a great monster movie or, and one night they're showing Jason and the Argonauts. And so it's like, you know, and again, it's got all this great stop motion stuff in it. And so, you know, Tim's like, come on, Mike, we got to go see this. And on the big screen, you know, we, we all, we've all always only seen this on television. When, you know, when are we going to see this again? You know, not realizing the age of VHS and, and Blu-ray and, you know, <laughs> it's just over the horizon. Right. So they, they go to the theater and it's midnight and there are four people in the theater. There, there's Mike, there's Tim, and there's an older gentleman and what looks like his daughter. And so the movie starts and the old guy behind them starts to talk. And initially Mike finds this annoying until he realizes that the man behind him is Ray Harryhausen. Nice. <laughs> and, you know, so it's like, and it was one of the things the two of them get goggle-eyed because it's like, here's this master of, you know, of, of animation and he's narrating the movie as an, <laughs> oh, that shot, Jesus. You know, and, he, and that's the thing. He's taken his daughter to the movie for the same reason. It's like, when are we going to get the season of the big screen? And let me tell you about what, you know, how daddy worked on this moment in the movie. And, um, that's, so 
you know, it's it, it was this amazing, you know, once in a lifetime happenstance. So, to, you know, to have the main, you know, to have the guy who worked on this this sci-fi or this uh, fantasy you know, adventure, fantasy adventure, yeah. but you know, that's, right there, that's yeah. better than the director commentary on the on the Blu-ray. Yeah, the, the skull animations, well, no, classic. You know, I mean. Yeah, but again, you know, if we want to talk about the director commentary, here's the director. So. <laughs> you just turn it around and like, hey, what did you think of this shot? <laughs> there you go. So absolutely killer. But um, and, you know, but in the end, um, you know, just Disney didn't know what to do with them. They were they were afraid to let in. You know, they, they gave him the money to make Frank and Winnie, which. Uh, you know, when the final product came in, you know, you can remember that was supposed to be released in theaters with Pinocchio, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh god, this is too dark, this is too weird, there's just no way. And at the same time, he had submitted this proposal for a half hour long holiday special that he, you know, thought, well, we we proved with Vincent that we can do stop motion, and I'd like to do, you know, sort of a a, a knockoff parody of the Rankin-Bass holiday specials, and mm-hmm. that's really what Nightmare Before Christmas was, and, and but the thing is, he had submitted it to Disney, and they looked at it and went, oh, God, no. You know, and um, he he also submitted a, 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 a Halloween special, something called Trick or Treat, um, which oddly enough, I, the company keeps every so often pulling out and eyeballing because they own it. I mean, again, as Tim produced it on company time or wrote it on company time, it is Disney's intellectual property. Um, and in so, fact, that's Jim. Tim is not animating at all during this. He's just coming up with concepts. Well, I mean, you know, this uh, part of the problem was that Tim would animate stuff, and then Disney would look at it and go, "Nah," you know, and. It's just, <laughs> You know, but but the weird thing of it is, it was actually the stuff that he did at Disney, and and let's not forget about you know the you know I don't know if you guys have ever seen um, the thing he did for the Disney Channel that was aired exactly once the the version of Hansel and Gretel. Oh God, yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, with the peppermint yeah. nose witch. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that you done is Kabuki theater. Um, so. Yeah. But that's actually what got him the Pee-wee gig, you know, that he was able to walk through the door and say, oh, this is Vincent and this is Frank and Weenie and this is my very strange Hansel and Gretel. And and Paul Rubens was able to look at that and see that this is a guy who had a strong visual sensibility who also, you know, could do stuff with, you know, stop motion, which immediately made the large Marge scene possible. Mm. Um, Freaky. Yeah, but that's the thing. He, he you know, the, the irony was that you know, he walked out the door with this amazing school sketch that he had acquired by working at Disney, and that's what then made him, you know, the powerhouse director that he was. And you know, you think about, um, you know, going from Pee Wee to Beetlejuice to Batman, and in fact, that's the part of the story that I love because now Disney's like, I cannot believe we let the guy who did Batman go. (laughs) But, but during this period, you know, so Tim's, you know, got all this money pouring and he goes back to Disney and goes, okay, you know, um, I tell you what, I'll offer to buy it back. How much for nightmare before Christmas, you know, because I really want to make it now. You know, this is a passion project of mine. And Disney's like, well, yeah, made it, wrote it while you're here, so it's ours. But <laughs> mm. tell, tell you what, you know, if you want to make it for us, we'll put up the production money. 
And, you know, so Tim, who'd actually gone to school with Henry Selleck at, at, um, at, at, at CalArts, it's like, well, you know, and, and the interesting thing is that, honestly, if it were not for the Skellington production deal, that, and that's what the contract was for the, to, for the production of Nightmare Before Christmas, there wouldn't be a Pixar. I mean, you know, ironically enough, it, it was setting up an outside production company. You know, to make a film for Disney, an animated film for Disney that, you know, established the precedent. So when, you know, John Lasseter kept resisting Disney's, you know, invitations to same thing, you know, they'd let him go too. you know, it's like, come back, you know, you make these wonderful little computer animated shorts and why don't you work for us now? And it's like, well, I got my friends at Pixar and, you know, why don't you let us make a movie for you? And it's like, well. Geez, we did that with Tim Burton. Yeah, I guess we can do that again. <laughs> so that's uh, without Tim Burton and, you know, coming back to, to ask for Nightmare Before Christmas. There wouldn't be Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., any of that stuff. Well, you would think that John Lasseter and Brad Bird would say, hey, come on over to Pixar, work on Coco, Tim, do something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's give it a well, shot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into Coco, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Right. promising. I, mean, I think you say it was like a creator ego clash kind of thing or something. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of counting on Coco to bring Pixar back. That does not sound like a promising conversation there. Yeah, well, that's well, maybe for another day. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, you know, it, it's not really a coincidence that Olaf's, you know, I mean, holiday adventure is now going and been paired with that. You know, that this mm. is a film that perhaps needed a little more oomph to, um, you know, I mean, let's be honest, the last time there were two, um, you know, Pixar movies out in the same year, you know, we had Inside Out and then we had The Good Dinosaur. And I'm actually one of the five people in North America who likes The Good Dinosaur, but, you know, this, you know, we could have our fan club meeting in a phone book. <laughs> um, likes, you know, but not uh, loves, right? Well, no, I to see, but I, the thing is, I love Peter Som, the guy who directed that movie, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know he was the one who, um, you know, when the Bob Peterson version of of Dinosaur, you know, the Good Dinosaur crashed and burned, um, you know, they were three and a half years into production, and they realized they didn't have a movie, and and Peter, who was the co director at that point, Bob was taken off the project. And he found a movie in the wreckage. It may not be the best movie that was ever made, but it has a lot of heart and you know that that you know and a good message. And he meant well. And you know, I'm really hoping that <laughs> Pixar recognizes that and gives him a shot at directing his own movie, as opposed to "Hi, the building's on fire. Here's a bucket of water. Go inside there." You know. <laughs> you know. Wow. You know, you take care of that problem for us, okay? Put you know, that fire. You good? You're Call good. us when you're yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We'll we'll be out here with the croissants and wow. the, the cappuccino. So, um, anyway, but 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 back to to uh, Tim Burton, and again, you know, so they were, you know, whatever Tim wanted to do at that point, Disney was willing to do. And let's face it, some of this stuff, you know, I mean, Ed Wood, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We just lost Martin Landau, and he does an amazing performance in in that as Bella Lugosi. In fact, he, he won an Academy Award for it. But it's yeah. just, yeah, you gotta remember seeing that movie in theaters, and it's like Johnny Depp being very enthusiastic about being putting on cashmere sweaters and <laughs> and brassieres, and it's just sort of like, 
who who is this movie for? <laughs> oh, could you point them out to me? Because I, I I don't see the audience. You know. No. Well, yeah. well, goth is always popular. It's got a cult following. I guess that's the key, yeah, right? Well, and and that's the thing. He has created this amazing set of characters and, and more to the point you know remember that that you know he was originally you know johnny depp's key collaborator um and you know every so often um tim would wander away and disney would lure him back in fact i, I remember talking with don Hahn about don flew over to london and actually visited tim on the set of sweeney todd mm-hmm. and basically brought you know two things along and said well look Here's Frankenweenie, and, and I know you did it as a short film, a featurette, but don't you think there's more story there? You know, and, and more to the point, wouldn't this be fun to revisit this in kind of the Nightmare Before Christmas stop motion vein? And Tim was like, yeah, yeah, I could immediately get behind that. And then the other thing, interestingly enough, that they he did, Han dangled in front of Tim was Maleficent. And... <laughs> And you know that's you have to you have to wonder, um, you know I, I want to say Walter Hamburg, Heim, so Walter uh, excuse me Robert Stromberg, the guy who wound up directing Maleficent, wound up being the the second, um, obviously the second choice because it shows. At, well, you have to understand when you see Maleficent. That is not the movie that was shot. In fact, I have a copy of the actual script to Maleficent. Oh, wow. The first third of the movie that today that you see is nothing like the movie that was actually shot in London. That um, there was this elaborate uh, backstory uh, where, for, take for example, you know that you got to to me you you got to see the court of the fairies. You you got the whole backstory of how. Um, Maleficent was this halfling. Her, her, you know, she was part human, and mm. eventually, what you find out is her, her father was the man in red, or the you know the the the, the one in red, and you you, you <laughs> that's who you think it is, Satan. You know that they actually have him appear in you know clouds of brimstone or that sort of thing. But you know she's a member of the fairy court, but. She upsets her her aunt by flying above her, and, and her aunt was played by Miranda Richardson. That they actually shot three months of footage, and in fact, her uncle uh, was Peter Capaldi from um, from Doctor Who. Oh wow! And in fact, he you know, that was the thing. <laughs> you know he was talking about. He was so proud, you know, that they had him at the uh, the Scottish Film Festival, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm shooting this Disney movie," and you know, it's just at three months, and they get me up at four in the morning, and I do full makeup, and you know, and and so you know, about six months later, here he is, you know, doing the introductory festival for for Doctor Who, or coming up under Doctor Who, and it's like, "Hey, did you see that movie I'm in, Fent Maleficent?" Yeah, I'm not in it anymore. You know, just like <laughs> they completely cut me out. Um, and that movie just uh, that was one of the worst like Maleficent ends up becoming like her mom it, it looked like the script was just challenged from day one I mean I, I, um, I that was one of my least favorite Disney movies no well again that was not the movie that was shot guys in fact there's a um, I, there was a great movie in there in fact it, it's you know you know how at the end of the film there's this you know sort of this scene where um, you see Princess Aurora ascend, you know, kind of a throne and stand there, and all the the bog creatures are standing around her and that sort of thing. Yes. 
Um, uh, the stone that she actually steps on is a huge part of the original story that, um, that, you know, basically, you know, you see when they do the court scenes with Miranda Regis and Peter Capaldi, when they walk up to the throne, there's this big rock. And when they step on it, the rock purrs, as in these people are the rightful leaders of the, um, you know, the, the, the fairy realm. But Miranda's incredibly cruel to Maleficent. In fact, you know, that the horns that are on her head are a punishment that Miranda inflicts on Maleficent for daring to fly higher in the air than the king and queen of the, the fairy court. So, I mean, huh. it, it, the, 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 the aunt is really mean to Maleficent and sort of, you know, makes her appear that much more devilish. And again, that sort of, re, you know, eventually when you find out her father is the devil, it's like, wow, she really, you know, the aunt's a, a pain. And so um, they, Maleficent, as punishment, overthrows the king and queen. And she goes to ascend the, the throne, and the, the rock, as she steps on it, screams. <laughs> you know, as in, you know, this is the wrong person. So Maleficent uses magic to fling the rock out into the bog. And, you know, so for an hour, you never see this thing again. And, you know, you, you and remember that um, they sort of infer that um the king uh god I'm, I'm blanking the name of king king stefan one of the reasons he's hanging around the fairies he's a halfling as well you know he's half human and half uh elf huh. and so so he ends up marrying you know the 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 human queen and they have their child they have the uh, aurora and you know the, the whole story is set in motion so the film you as you see it starts to play out. You know, the you, you the stuff that you start to see when the the three good fairies are in the cottage taking care of her. Um but you know, and the stories you see in the existing film plays out with, you know, Maleficent and, and Aurora walking through the woods and that sort of thing. So one day they're out walking in the woods. And, you know, again, Maleficent is feeling bad about overthrowing the fairy realm and, you know, laying down this curse and that sort of thing. And, you know, they're out walking through the bog and, you know, just at one moment, Aurora's like, oh, what's this? And she's standing upon the, the rock that Maleficent had thrown into the bog and it's purring. Hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, and Maleficent just sort of stands there big eyed like, oh, crap. This is the rightful leader of the fairy realm who I have cursed and I'm supposed to kill. And it's like a pet rock. No, well, no, that, that Aurora is standing on the rock. The rock likes her. Okay. The the rock identifies her like, um, the queen and queen before as the, the, you know, the the one who should be in charge of the fairy realm. And I mean, again, it it was this really well-written script that, you know, as they began showing it to people, it's like, you know, the movie is called Maleficent, right? You know, (laughs) and, and, you know, here we are, a fairy queen, fairy princess, fairy, you know, just the, the court of the fairy realm. And it's like 45 minutes of, of court intrigue before anything happens. And it's just sort of like the test audiences were like, this is really boring. It takes forever to get to the good stuff. And so they just went and reshot and they, you know, they took a hacksaw to the front end of the movie. And I think in hindsight, Tim looked at it and was really, really tempted to, to work with Maleficent because, you know, she's such a vivid villain and she kind of looks like he drew her anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but in the end, it's like, wow, this is this is a lot of road to plow to get to the point where it's fun to work with Maleficent. So he, he took a pass and 
uh, Robert Stromberg. And, and ironically enough, Robert got the gig because he'd done such a good job on the artwork of, jeez, um, uh, uh, you know, Oz the Great and Powerful. Ah. And so, and and more to the point, having done, oh, it should be, no, no, no. Uh, he got the job because he did such a good job on Alice in, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, which, okay. It, you know, and in fact, that's the irony is Alice was the project that Tim diverted to when he realized that, you know, well, I'm now under contract with Disney for two films and Maleficent isn't going to happen. And this Alice movie looks interesting. And OK, I'll do that. So but they switched. Yeah. I mean, just literally just, OK, you know, let's set this one aside and this one's ready to go. And. And in a weird sort of way, because that was the first movie, uh, 3D movie through the door after Avatar, uh, Tim lucked into a box office smash because, mm-hmm. you know, after James Cameron Avatar being the first, you know, amazing new next generation 3D movie, there was there was a real hunger for, you know, wow, I want to see that again. You know, who, where's another 3D movie? And, you know, that, you know, uh, Tim Burton's Alice arrived in theaters four months later. And, you know, ironically enough, you know, um, Avatar makes like $2.4 billion worldwide. And then Disney's, you know, Tim Burton Alice makes $1.2 billion worldwide. And then, uh, you know, again, to put a weird little spin on this, what's the next thing through the door? But it's a remake of Ray Harryhausen's Jason and the Argonauts. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, but that makes six. And, you know, the folks in the industry can't help but look like, Jeez, you know, everything makes half of what came out before it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I, I, guys, are you noticing the trend here? <laughs> you know, and no, nobody did. We Everybody rushed into making 3D movies and that business collapsed in like a year and a half because, yeah. you know. And um, now we have a whole land in Animal Kingdom based on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, again. It's got wonderful art direction, um, but you know, if it were up to me, I, you know, again, I, I, uh, I'm one of those guys who would really have loved to, to see some attractions based on Tim Burton's stuff. You know, and in fact, it, you know, and in fact, getting back to to Mike Peraza, he actually did work directly with Tim on the Alice in Wonderland maze that was just done for Shanghai Disneyland. And, you know, so he said it was great to be working with, you know, his friend again from, from Cal arts. But, um, I mean, he's a complicated guy. (laughs) (laughs) So is there like, we've, we've, we've seen that they do the nightmare overlay in, in Disneyland, but I mean, why is it that we've never gotten a stateside permanent uh, attraction by Tim? I mean, he's got, he's been involved with, many many disney movies i mean it just seems like by now uh we would have seen something stateside at least in walt disney world well the, the, here's the thing all right you know and in fact remember that they do do um you know the uh haunted mansion holiday also at tokyo disneyland but mm-hmm. you have to understand it in both the tokyo case and the anaheim disneyland case you know you have a Seventy percent locals, you know, people who come twice a year to Disneyland, and and thirty percent tourists, people who travel from out of town. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when somebody who who lives just a hundred miles away from Disneyland comes to Disneyland, and like one attraction is closed, and it, and it takes three to four weeks uh, to get uh, Haunted Mansion Holiday loaded into the the Disneyland Park version of of. 
of you know a haunted mansion. I, you know, people are a little bit more forgiving. It's like, ah, eh, I can, I can yeah, come back. back next week. Yeah, yeah. And but you know, in, in Florida, I mean, people lose their shit. I can just sit there like. You know, it's like, what do you mean the Haunted Mansion is closed? I saved for five years and brought my family here. Right. And, you know, just like, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, they're, they're, they're ripping people's heads off in guest relations. And so it's just sort of like they would love to bring it to Florida if, if only for the retail program. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but they can't, you know, they can't justify um, you know, the, the, the people who complain about the three week load in, and then I think it has to be down for 10 days to two weeks to, you know, take all the decorations down and turn it back over to, uh, mansion. In fact, you know, the, 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 the irony is that if you actually go through the haunted mansion in, um, uh, in Anaheim, but if you have a powerful enough flashlight, the the props and everything for uh, Haunted Mansion Holiday are kept in the building, and in fact, a lot oh, wow. of pl- places they're just hanging directly over your head in bags, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just waiting. You know, and in fact, I, I keep waiting for the, the people crushed by giant mutant snake. You know, um, you know that that's gonna want to see how Disney's going to settle that lawsuit. Um, right. But yeah, they're they're right there in the building. You know, they, so when it's time to change it out, it's just like okay, lower the bags and start. Prop- up, so yeah, you know. But, you, oh, I'm sorry. You think though that I mean things go down all the time. Uh, refurbs are scheduled. People can know about it. I mean, if and especially if they know it's going to be every year around September X. We know already when there's gay days at Disney. We know already when there's new when there's Jersey Week. We know already all these things that we know already. They just should know that this time frame is going to be when we you know the Haunted Mansion is going to be down and. Maybe if they had a good travel agent, they would <laughs> steer them and say, well, you might want to put that vacation back two weeks if you want to see the new overlay. Oh, very yeah. smooth. Very <laughs> smooth. <laughs> really? I applaud. That, that's wow. That's, that's <laughs> Sorry, he worked a plug for himself in there. No. <laughs> you know, okay. but what I would song. say is, like, why do you have to do, like, I, I always thought, like, they did it as an overlay in Disneyland because space was at a premium. I figured in Disney World, you could have put, like, a Nightmare Before Christmas attraction permanently. And right, not well, making room like in studios or something like before they were doing Toy Story Land and all this. And I'll- it's so interesting you say that because um, for for Florida, and I remember they already have Mickey's Not So Scary, mm-hmm. which you know does tremendous business every year. But clearly, looking up the street at Universal at, at you know uh, you Halloween, know Halloween Nights, yeah, so, you know, the thinking was wow if we could just do. A you know a darker you know event on property. We could really you know we you know we could come at Universal from both sides. We could get the families, and we could get the teens. And okay. Disney Entertainment actually dummied out a, a you know it basically it was Tim Burton's characters taking over the studio for a night. That would be uh, awesome. And, and let's face it, you have. Uh, you've seen them. You you've seen the walk around version of, of you know uh, Jack Jack and, and Sally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had uh, you know evidently they created a costume for the mayor and of course you know they do have an oogie boogie. He now shows up in the Hocus Pocus show. Yeah. Uh, you know at that park and they were also going to do uh, his version of the Alice figures. Uh, you know there was talk of bringing the characters in from Frank and Weenie and you know um, yeah. and and then you know mixing in certain Disney villains and all that, but 
uh, in the end, it was just it was the same thing. It's like, all right, so we'd have to test this concept. Uh, and you know who's going to come up with the money to, to to do the you know two or three weekends of the Tim Burton overlay for the studios and and face it you know the the last couple of years the studios have been kind of reinventing itself you know they're, they're you know trying to you know this new Star Wars land and the Toy Story land and um, it may be you know and and face it you know they, they it's not a coincidence that the villain event has been staged twice at the studios you know they they are clearly you know, itching to get their own holiday themed event going there for, for Halloween. And, um, I think it'll be interesting once we get on the other side of the completion of star Wars galaxy's edge. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they'll actually wait till they go forward with adding that monsters Inc land, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, is supposed to be the third and final component of, you know, sort of reinventing the studio and extending Pixar. You know, they, they, the plan is that when you combine the Toy Story area with the Pixar thing, it's going to be just as big as, um, as you know, Galaxy's Edge. You'll right. have two brand new giant complexes to get people to come to that park. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's... You're right. It makes sense. It should have been here long ago. But, but you know, honestly, if you talk with people in operations, particularly at the Magic Kingdom, it's like, look, we're, you know, we're the biggest, you know, busiest theme park in North America. You know, I mean, obviously, the you know, the two parks in Japan do bigger business. But um, we just can't shut it down, you know, because, again, we have people traveling from all over the country, you know, especially, you know, during uh, both, you know, Halloween and Christmas to get Mickey's Not So Scary and Vicky's, Mickey's Very Merry. And it's just, you know, even shutting it down for those three weeks to load in, uh, you know, there were people who's like, you ruined my family's vacation. They, <laughs> we all, Good Lord. We wanted to go on the Haunted Mansion and now, you know, my life, had, you know, my, my child is traumatized because <laughs> you didn't traumatize her. And it's just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So. Well, maybe what they need to do, since they have a relationship with Johnny Depp and they have a relationship with Tim Burton, just let them direct the next Pirates film and everyone can go away happy, and then maybe they'll add a character or two in the Pirates. Uh, well, as of right now, it's all about Dumbo. Uh, in fact, at the um, the D23 Expo this past week, um, they actually rolled the five-foot tall uh, Dumbo maquette on stage to show it off and it, it was it was really kind of bizarre to see it's it's Dumbo the cartoon married to a live elephant Damn. but done in hmm. maquette form and you know with the big floppy ears and you know and, and it's also through kind of the Tim Burton filter yeah. so you know the eyes are somewhat dark and I, you know it, but it was it was still cute but well I mean I have you know, to I need to throw something in here because Dumbo A is my one of my favorite attractions. I love the movie. It was one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, I thought Tim Burton did a good job with Alice in Wonderland, but it's Alice in Wonderland is a little more of a freaky um, elephants know, on parade, surreal oh, kind of world. <laughs> but outside of pink elephants, the rest of Dumbo is not that surreal. Whereas the entire you know Alice in Wonderland world is surreal. Uh, to some degree, so Arr. you know that's my concern with Tim Burton and Dumbo. Okay, um, all right. Let me share a little bit. Of yeah, just put my mind at ease. That's all I'm asking. Well, at ease, I, don't, huh? I, I don't know if this is going to put your mind <laughs> at ease. 
Okay. Uh, first of all, Dumbo in this movie belongs. Is a well, no, no, <laughs> He's a pirate. but he belongs to a tiny circus, you know, an itty bitty circus that gets swallowed by a bigger circus. Okay. In fact, the, the the ringmaster of the um, the smaller circus, the the cute small circus that that. Uh, in fact, they 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 showed a shot of. Tim Burton in Casey Jr. Uh, you know, the fact that we just started shooting the movie, but we'll see you further down the road and the camera mm-hmm. pulls back and there he is sitting in Casey Jr., which is this kind of worn down circus train. All right. And so the and 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 again, in a, a circle back to to, a, you know, an actor that Tim has loved working with before, whether it's Big Fish or uh, Batman Returns, the, the ringmaster is played by Danny DeVito. Um, I had that but, name in a while. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's always sunny in Philadelphia. He's right out there, you know, still doing good work. <laughs> anyway, uh, to get back to um, uh, the movie, so you know, the the circus that Dumbo's in gets swallowed by this bigger, flashier circus, and that's kind of where they they abuse, you know, Dumbo. And again, you can't do Timothy Mouse. You know, in this version of the story. Um, so what they've done instead is the equivalent of the Timothy Mouse character is, I believe it's Colin Firth who's playing the character. I, 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 I'm, I'm blanking the name of the actor. But um, he basically plays a flyer from World War One who uh, lost one of his legs from below the knee. So he can't fly anymore. And so, in a weird sort of way, he and Dumbo come together because they're both freaks. I so mean, this sounds like Train Your Dragon Three. Well, <laughs> Train Your Dragon Three with an elephant. But the irony is, the very first actor that Disney went to to do, you know, in fact, evidently Tim Burton himself really, really chased him hard, and they, he just wouldn't commit, and ultimately passed in the project. Um, was Will Smith? He was going to play the Flyer. Ah, oh, wow. Okay. But the interesting thing, well, that but he's a genie, right? Yeah, that's the thing. While he'd said no to Dumbo, he had been with Disney long enough and seen the amount of effort they were going to put into these movies. So yeah, he's he's come on board as in in Guy Ritchie's uh, redo of Aladdin as the genie. And um, to be honest, I'm I'm really kind of looking forward to it, you know, just to see what he can do with the role. Um, You know, (laughs) it's 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 obviously not going to be quite the trickster craziness that you know robin williams animated did but yeah um i would bet you the scenes where he's talking about you know uh you know that what a genie's life is are going to resonate in a different sort of way this time around so yeah, yeah. Um, he's getting jiggy with it yeah genie with it so jim if they cut <laughs> timothy out of dumbo i'm guessing the crows must be gone too well you know i have been asking and you know, it's one of those things with the Disney people. It's the equivalent of the Magic Eight Ball. You know, you know ask again <laughs> later. You know, it's just sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, I think you know they are looking at the characters. In fact, you know, it's kind of interesting that you know Whoopi Goldberg just got um, you know the named as a Disney legend, and she actually used the opportunity it did be a Disney legend to go after the company about. Release Song of the South, and she's like, "Look, we can. You had characters like that in Dumbo, and nobody's mm-hmm. pulling Dumbo off the shelves." Hmm. Yeah. So, um, God bless Whoopi. Yeah. What's well, funny? I'm looking at the Dumbo uh, like IMDb page, and they got like Colin Farrell, Danny DeVito, 
Colin and, Farrell, yeah, by mistake. Colin Farrell, yeah. Colin Farrell, same thing. Yeah, Bullseye, yeah. yeah. And and yeah. Michael Keaton, who's worked with Tim Burton before. Uh, same okay. with Danny DeVito. Same with he Danny DeVito, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, a absolutely. That's what I was saying. I think Michael Keaton may actually be the villainous owner of the bigger circus that swallows, you know. Um, cause, and, and again, he's. it's so nice to see him working again. I don't know if you saw... The founder, where you know he he played Ray Kroc. My favorite, it's, one of my favorite new movies is The Founder. Yeah, yes, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's, it's amazing stuff, and and likewise his turn, you know, as the Vulture in Spider-Man: Homecoming was really great. You know, in fact, you know they they kind of teased that he's still going to be in the mix going forward. But yeah, I mean, the it's of six, yeah. Yeah. So and he was know, Chick just, Hicks in the Cars movies. So not the latest it. one. He wasn't really. <laughs> no, no, they re- no. Nope. Oh, they, no they, kidding. Yeah, yeah, they cut him out of Cars 3. Wow. Yeah, well, I don't know if they cut him out of it or he just refused to return, but there was another guy doing Chick Hicks. Wow. Well, I, ironically enough, I think that was Bob Peterson, the guy who was pulled off of Good Dinosaur, huh. uh, who, you know, who wound up voicing that. But, you know, that he's he's been a veteran Disney Pixar story guy four years you know he uh, you know john lasseter considers him you know one of the, the best in the building and that's why he got a shot at directing you know and it just <laughs> that's the thing you know that that you know, everybody you know when they they told the original premise of the good dinosaur about you know what if the, the you know the asteroid that heareth missed earth you know what if the dinosaurs survived and everyone's like hey cool that sounds like an amazing concept and it's like yeah but there's no movie here you know um <laughs> it's a fun idea but no movie here and you know bob had to find it that out the hard way oh. so yeah, jim can i ask you one question one more question about tim burton going back to uh going back to that subject one of the movies he worked on that i really feel just doesn't get a lot of credit doesn't get a lot of show you barely even recognize as a disney movie is mm-hmm. james and the giant peach um any insight on why that movie i mean was it just not well received and that's why it's kind of been swept under the rug it was a good book when i was a kid i love the book. i love the book love yeah, the movie book. Well, now remember, Tim produced that. You know right. that that the, the actual director of that was Henry Selick. Who let's let's be clear here. Henry also directed Nightmare um, Nightmare for Tim. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. clearly, you know that, that that's the thing that that you know Nightmare for Christmas is Tim's story, Tim's characters, the works. Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas uh, you know the the James and the Giant Peach, uh, that's. You know, it's something that Tim directed based on the or Tim produced and was based on the Roald Dahl book and that that Henry directed. And and, and you're right. I actually I actually that film has an amazing score by by Randy Newman, some 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 wonderful, wonderful songs, great animated pieces. I mean, you know, the, the weird thing is you'll see it in rotation nowadays. It'll pop up on. Of uh, Disney XD when they're not doing Harry Potter weekends, mm-hmm. uh, you know that again. It just it, it's it, it yeah it does deserve more recognition. You know that the the irony is I don't so much see the characters as I hear the music in the Disney parks. You know it yeah. will show up. You know, in the mix at the parks, uh, a surprising number of times. But the characters themselves were you know because it's Burton they they've. 
and, and and let's remember the source material. I mean, they are you know bugs that were made giant. You mm-hmm. know, uh, they're kind of creepy. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's like oh, you know, yes, kids, go over, hug Miss Spider. You know, that yeah. nothing could possibly go wrong with this. You there know, you go. So. an overlay for a bug's life, right there. Halloween overlay for a bug's life. Boom, <laughs> you did. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, you know, and and just so we're clear here. You know, a, a, a bug's land at DCA, if you really are fond of that part of the park, you should probably visit it soon. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You oh, know, they're going to mar- pixify it. Well, no, no, marvelize it. No, marvelize oh, okay. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, yeah. the Paradise Pier or whatever the, the yeah, boardwalk no, area. There is a reason that that's being turned into Pixar Pier, you know, to sort of overcompensate for the fact that Bugs Land is about to go under the knife and, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, that, that I'll, you know, and, and in fact, it kind of cracks me up that, um, you know, Disney just announced that the Tron coaster is going into the Magic Kingdom and it's like, it's well known in the themed industry that Disney just brought two of those coasters. You know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, so where's the other one going to go? It's like, shut up, don't ask questions. You know, it's in somebody's house. Somewhere. Shut up, kid, you bother me. Iger's using it to move money from one side of the house to the other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that that's that's headed to Marvel Land. That's the Captain America coaster there. But oh, um, Captain, but Captain America, America coaster. coaster. Yep, I haven't heard about this. Yep, uh, that's coming to the expanded Marvel Land. We're also going to get a stateside version of the Iron Man experience from Hong Kong. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that whole side of the park is going to well. I, I, just to be blunt here, guys, the fear is that when Star Wars Galaxy Edge opens at Disneyland, um, uh, that park is is going to hit capacity at nine o'clock in the morning, and oh, they're going to have yeah, to yeah, I mean, yeah. no doubt, they're just going to have to turn guests away. So the only way to balance that is to come back with a land that's just as compelling, that's just as exciting, and that's Marvel Land. And there you go. Huge super attractions going in and and trying to have that up and running in time. Um, I, you know, they, they, they were supposed to announce one or two other components. You know, in fact, a lot of things supposedly fell off the parks and resorts table or the announcement for the... the uh, you know the the thing that was just done at D twenty three. That's why mm-hmm. there were no less than three musical numbers. Hey, bring the cast up again. This <laughs> I noticed that. I'm like, well, this is kind of like filler. What about the haunted mansion restaurant? What about Inside Out? What What about a new uh, pavilion for World Showcase? Exactly. <laughs> you know, quiet, you. Those kids are singing. You know, <laughs> so, Get away, kids! Um, you're bothering me. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. So, See. Yeah. Come back for uh, you know 2019 D23 and we'll we'll get you know but yeah that's that, that's what's happening. Now, all right, so. so you get to ride on the Captain America shield or something. Yeah, that's what is that? I can see. What does that entail? A Captain America roller coaster? I'm trying to wrap my head around well, it. Got to be on a shield. No, it's it, it, you're overthinking it, guys. It, it's the, the 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 Tron coaster only. You know, if you've seen Just red, the white, and blue. Of, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if you've seen the roof of the building, how it. You know, constantly changes color, and you mm-hmm. know, has the amazing lighting package. Just, just yes, red, white, and blue, red, and white, and blue. So, um, like but, Disney's yeah. version of the Hulk. Oh man, pretty well, much. Yeah. That's pretty oh. much like a. Oh, that's a given. Like you should have somebody who's like Captain America's got to fight such and such, and he throws the shield, and you're the shield, and then like you just. 
go through the roller coaster and hit like a bunch of different villains and stuff, boom, I'd be on that. And you come back to Captain America. Exactly. <laughs> I can sign that Save the Bugs Life, uh, Save the Bugs Land <laughs> petition that's been going around. Are you going to make that now? <laughs> no. It's- yeah. No, they're, they're, they're just make, working backwards. I want to say in... Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, there's there's some footage of the Cap character riding a motorcycle. And they're just, mm. yeah, again, light cycle, motorcycle. Again, it's an easy, you know, uh, it's, an ex- it's an already proven ride system. Yeah. It's a pop- popular Shanghai. They're just, you know, are good, <laughs> you know, it, it fits in the Marvel area, sort of. It, you kind of squint and it's like, <laughs> shut up, get on the coaster, all right? And then go oh, out and buy it. go G- fast. You'll like it. Pretty much. All right, Jim, can I ask you one last question just for me and Kirk? Me and Kirk are huge Haunted Mansion fans. Is there any truth? Is there any legs to that Haunted Mansion restaurant rumor? Well, remember, um, just this, you know, this past D23, um, you had Disney announce the Mission Space restaurant experience, which Mm -hmm. um, ironically enough makes use of these, you know, these giant projection windows that are actually a key component of the Star Wars hotel. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, you you know, so think about it. You're, You're building... A restaurant with giant projection windows that you can do all sorts of neat effects with. And it's like, wow, what would I possibly do with this technology in another theme park? Mm. Um, mm. You know, I, I, and I, again, I, I hate to be mean about this, but what sort of happened here is there were two proposals on the table to make use of the same exact set of technologies. And Epcot was a park that really kind of needed this experience, mm-hmm. and you know the and the magic. I mean, and and what's uh, the other thing that kind of makes me crazy is every five minutes it seems like you turn around and they're plussing the mansion. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you know, you know, first they did you know the new stretching room with the wood sounds, and then they did the outside queue, and right. then mm-hmm. the, the Mia Morta Staircase. or whatever the. Yeah, and it's one of these things where it's like, oh, okay, I get it. You're Imagineers. You all grew up loving the the, the the haunted mansion. You know, there's like 30 other attractions in this park, <laughs> right? That could use some love, but it's like, no, let's do a haunted mansion restaurant. <laughs> and it's like, guys, leave it alone. All right, just go work on some other stuff in the park and come back to the mansion in like 20 years. All right, you know, because it's just, you know, it's like, what about the hat box goes? Wouldn't you want to see him? It's like, oh, just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> to me wanting the, the the ball the haunted mansion ballroom dance party at the haunted mansion is probably not gonna happen no right? no <laughs> I, I i do not think so but on the other hand you know if guillermo de toro's haunted mansion movie finally makes it out of development hell um <sighs> I, I would bet you you'll see those characters god help us folded into the mansion um and yeah then probably you'll get your restaurant and your you know your souvenir cart and you know like <laughs> God help us a haunted yogurt machine. (laughs) (laughs) With blueberry flavor. Well, there you go. You had to say that. Now they'll do it. All right. You know, just I just get tired of them working on like one thing because, you know, every Imaginer grew up loving the Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean. So, I mean, that's why we now have this, you know, uh, this going to redo of the auction scene. And, and, And in fact, that's why I thought it was political correctness run amok. Well, 
you know, but but at the same time, face it, somebody had to come up with that idea and sell it as a way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to address a politically correct problem that, frankly, nobody was talking about. <laughs> right, right. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but on the other hand, let's be completely honest here. Am I the only one who heard, saw the banner that said, you know, surrender your booty and... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't right. even make that connection. That is awesome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they're going to pay for this just in t-shirts alone. No. You know, just sort of like 28th and Main, uh, surrender your booty. Yep. I'd buy that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, watch that space, gentlemen, that this is, you know, that that's the way they're going to pay for this redo. Wow. That, so. Think about that. What you just said, though, how ironic that they're going to pay for the change by selling t-shirts to people that don't want it to change. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's disney math right there man <laughs> welcome to the disney company right? <laughs> <laughs> well jim man thank you so much you have enlightened my my head is blown yeah. right now uh you have smartened us up to a lot of stuff i feel educated yeah thank you so much and uh, we do have one last question that we like to ask our guests whenever they come on the mm-hmm. show and um, uh, so it kind of goes like this. If one day the Disney company was to ever come to you and say, Jim, we're going to give you a window on Main Street. <laughs> what would you like to have that say, sir? Uh, <laughs> Jim can't be with us right now. He's on the island in Aruba that we bought for him. What about we use your Skype handle? Yeah. Well, yes, yes. You know, the, the, go ahead, share that with her again. No, never. No, we didn't. What, <laughs> never use a joke name. I did. I, I thought the first time I'd use Skype, this is the only time I'd ever use Skype. And you know, just. You know, just not, you know, not smart. You know, that's so that, that everyone who hears that name just finds it. It's like, really, who named that? And I did it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Well, thank you so much uh, to actually get the chance to chat with you after hearing you on other shows and podcasts and stuff for years and years. It's just uh, a pleasure to actually get a chance to speak with you about this kind of stuff, man. We, de- no, no, we definitely I, appreciate I, it. I appreciated the invite. More to the point, I love the fact that you guys were you know, sort of leaning toward Tim Burton. I mean, this is a guy who's who's had a long career with Disney, and there's a lot of fascinating stories that, that you know, just haven't ever been told about the guy. And, you know, I, and I only know a handful from the people who've worked for them. You know, I keep hoping that someday someone's going to really dig down and, and do this story because, again, you know, as you guys said, or is it Tim himself? Is it, you know, to have been fired by Disney three times, four mm-hmm. times, something like that? Yeah, I, yeah. And I tried to count yeah. them out. I figured uh, Frank and Weenie was one. I thought Maleficent mm-hmm. would have been two, but you said he left the project. And yeah. mm-hmm. um, I, I thought, like, maybe, like, after James and the Giant Peach, they were just like, yeah, no, you're, you're just producing. You're not even helping us. Go away. <laughs> well, and let's remember, you know, to the guys who were directing Han Solo, you know, on the outside looking in, so, <laughs> you know, Dumbo doesn't quite go the way we expect, you know, that's, that's yeah, you know, we could true. be looking at number four. So, um, well, here's hoping I, I actually, I'm, I'm the one person who actually does want to see what he does with Dumbo. And so, oh, I do too. what happens. So, yeah, yeah but cool. it, say what you will about his directorial style, his mm-hmm. visual style is just stunning. I, I it's like unique, no. it's special. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, one of the questions I was going to ask you is like, was there ever a chance for us to see a Tim Burton-based attraction? Ever. Well, mm-hmm. I think we covered that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. It's yeah. A- I mean, you know, the, the weird thing is there is actually art 
that's out there on the web that everyone goes, oh, my God, is the Tim Burton attraction? Look, the Nightmare Ride. Oh, my God. And it's like, no, that's actually something that Chris <laughs> Merritt, uh, an Imagineer. In fact, the, the interesting thing is that that was the one of the portfolio pieces that actually got Chris his gig at Disney, that they were like, holy crap, look at this thing. Okay, we got to have this guy inside the building. But um, that was never, you know, uh, something that Tim himself put in development or, or signed off on, which is kind of a shame because it is a killer design. Um, but again, I, I love the fact that Chris is in the building is a good friend. And, or, you know, uh, and in fact, the, the redo of Sleeping Beauty Castle. In fact, again, just, you know, weird how... Burton also almost makes the Maleficent movie, and here's Chris working on the, the you know the redo of the Sleeping Beauty uh, Castle walkthrough. So, oh wow! wow. So um, anyway, well, Jim, thank you so much. You went above and beyond. You met the expectations and surmat- you surpassed, exceeded our intro. And so we definitely appreciate you taking the time to chat with us down here. It was great fun, guys, and you know that that that. Thanks for the invite, and we'll have to do this again sometime. I hope Absolutely. so. If y'all don't cover it on your show, I'd love to have you back on to talk about Steve Whitmire formally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is a story. Um, okay, well, you know, good. Let's see how this all shakes out. Uh, in fact, what's you know, I hate to say this, but you know, this suddenly made the. I don't know if you've heard the Muppets are closing out the summer season at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, oh wow! You know, really? they, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, they 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 they're they're performing at the Hollywood Bowl, and this will uh, most likely be Matt Vogel's very first public time doing Kermit. And I I do hope that you know people support him. I mean, it's just it's it's not his fault that <laughs> no. you know he got the gig at you know kind of you know Steve's expense, but. Uh, but yeah, there's a story there. We'll we'll, we'll yeah. circle back on that one at some point. Okay, absolutely. I'm a huge Muppet fan. I, I'm gonna I'm yeah, gonna Danny su- is, support yeah. them until you know Disney just finally says, you know what, we're letting it go. Yeah, <laughs> regardless with Vogel, he's got the gig, so he's got to do the gig. And he did a good job <laughs> yeah. at Big Bird, so right. I, I can't say nothing. There's there's no choice. He has to do a good job. But Jim, thank you so much again, man. We, oh no no no, totally Thanks appreciate again, guys. it. Thank- and- all right. You good. guys have a good night now. Yeah, right? you too. You too, you man. A it's a dream come true for all of us, man. Thank you for being Thank on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, man, you need better dreams, all right? If you <laughs> <laughs> we got a dream that came true. That's well, what a we podcasting like. dream. Wow. I have another dream about Alyssa Milano that I won't go into. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and on that note, I'm out of here. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you. Thank you, Jim, so much. All right. All take right. care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Guys, we hope you enjoyed our interview with Mr. Jim Hill and talking about Burton and Disney. And um, so, you know, there's a lot of ways you can follow us to get more delicious interviews just like that. Uh, www.magicarway.com is the way to go. There you'll find our social media links, past episodes, and more. There's a bunch of different ways you can get in touch with us. You can shoot us an email at showatmagicarway.com. You can call or text us at 1-815-MAWEEKEN. That is 1815-MOWEEKEND-669-4226. And if you do send us a text while we're recording the show, you probably will get it read on that particular recording. So try it. See what happens. Thursday Take a nights. shot. Around seven. Thursday nights, Wednesday nights sometimes. Thursday nights usually, yeah. It's yeah. there for you. Never know. Exactly. Central time. And also you can leave a voicemail via our SpeakPipe widget on our homepage on that little right hand. That's that little annoying thing on the right hand side that says, hey, send the guys a message. It pops up every now and then with a little uh, balloon and such. 
do and that. send us a message because like only good things can happen from that. Yeah, we love hearing from listeners. Good and bad. Every opinion's uh, we got welcome. our first hate mail. We got our first hate mail. Wow. Yes. Ooh, ooh, yeah. tease wow. for the next show, guys. I mean, you guarantee we're going to have a guest services segment next show. So check us out next week. Because like I said, every opinion is welcome on the Magic Rari podcast, so Even we're going to read it. Even if your opinion's wrong, it's still welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we will give you a fair shot. We'll give you a fair soapbox, unlike a lot of these shows that filter things out, man. And we'll so, integrate it with all the people who love us. Yes, yeah, so we'll absolutely do More that. More love than hate. That's what's called a feedback sandwich. That's right. <laughs> and of course, we got guys that do things outside of the Moican universe. Number one, we have our comic guru, Mr. Eli Ivory. He does things with comic books and drawing and all kinds of mm, deliciousness. Mm. What you got, sir? All kind of stuff. All like, kind of stuff. Let put my hands on a pencil and paper. Touch. Watch out. Hot Magic tub. happened. Oh, wait. We can't, we can't speak over each other. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. That's oh, right. What are y'all doing here oh, now? That's right. not fair. Tease, that tease, just tease, happened. Tease. I'm sorry. Look, you'll have to listen next week. I'm sorry. You have to listen next week to guest services to know what we're talking about, but that's a little tease for you. Well, I'm just okay. intriguing. That, that's good storyteller right there. It is good storyteller. He's though. facing, I'm not seeing him, but I know the story he's telling. That's what I do because I'm the comic guru. And I can smell you. Yeah, well. <laughs> I didn't have a chance to. <laughs> that he uh, has your essence. Yeah, well, you know, I try to. I, I was try like, to oh, is it these, these buggy nuggets? No, it's <laughs> it's the Eli. Yeah, it is. <laughs> all about good, the story huh? and all about that. Wake up in the morning, like aroma glory. Like I don't need sunshine. I just need Eli in my you life. Ain't no sunshine when he's gone. <laughs> no, name. That smell just wants to linger on. That's the smell of power. There you That's go, right there. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I mean, hey, Kevin, you know, you come back. We got to get back into it. That's y'all all. want us to leave the studio if y'all need a alone time. We <laughs> can, you know, hey. No, just, just talk just, just, just slow. Thing. Yeah? <laughs> just slowly. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> if you say it that way. I did say I, it that way. You know the story. It's all about the glory. Oh, I do. That's right. <laughs> That's need, right. We need an adult in here. Stranger danger. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fans here, but you can always go to the Ivory Comics website, www.ivorycomics.com. You're going to see all the art that I do, stuff that I post up. There's also a link to this podcast, so you always get the creative buff talking Disney stuff, love. Hey, you know what we did? We, we put a link to your website on our website, too. It's, How about that? Right? It's like... It's all about love. It's synergy. Worlds are colliding. Worlds Boom. are colliding. Just bumping, bumping nasties. <laughs> Good Lord. Lord. Ooh, got the vapors right there. Good Lord, Mr. Eli. Oh, my goodness. Kev- Kevin, Kevin, Kevin's getting laid tonight, guys. Uh, better run. <laughs> better safe than hide sorry. Hide your guys, hide your children, hide your wife. It's on. All right, sorry. Go. Well, how can I follow up that? Um, all I got past that, hey, look, visit the website. Always appreciate the support. You go to Facebook.com. Find me there, Eli H. Ivory. Project Gage has own Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Project Gage. I-, I know I didn't post it up. Some artwork from the new issue that's coming up there. And some people be like, hey, I like this. So go like some more. It's coming up. Instagram, EIvy504, Twitter, Hancock10166. So as always, appreciate the support. Show the love. Thank you. And of course, we got the guy that's been working throughout this entire show, booking vacations and making magic for all these different families. Delee! How can they book a vacation with you, sir? Give me a call. 413-349-8747. That's 413-DIZ-TRIP. D-I-Z-T-R-I-P. You can email me at lee at magicrway.com. Also, check out the Facebook page. 
at facebook.com slash travel L-A-S-T-O-V-I-C-A travel. And I haven't done this before, but I was thinking about it. Eli always throws his Instagram. You want to follow There's me? a third way to get in touch with you? Yeah, but... A third input? Yeah. So, oh, man. Right. You got to try Lee's Instagram. third input. What you got? <laughs> Present us with your third input. Instagram, LP Lee underscore. I, oh, okay. I thought it was the I. Yeah. But that works. LP Lee underscore. You can see all the reasons why I'm fat. All the food <laughs> Wait, what? post up and all that stuff. Well, if you just want to throw it out there, Lee. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to say anything. But you do post up a lot of food pics. That's pretty much all I post up. But Chow fat. So, yeah. It's not Disney too much. Every once in a while you see some Disney stuff on there. But if you want to see, you know. What you're eating. Yeah, basically. Why you won't fit on flights of passage. Go ahead, follow him. And every single time he posts up in and out <laughs> burger, a fried nugget. burger, something yeah. fried. Well, he's got some actual dishes that he posts up uh, there. Home he cooking, does? too. Home yeah. cooking, yeah. I've seen it. Throw it on there, man. So, anyway. But... If you want to book with me, we'll get you booked up just like today. Did I did I give this person a hard time? No, she called me on the very last day that she could book in the middle of our Jim Hill interview. In the middle of Jim Hill, and how do we do it? We did it with no Hasselvika. That's right. That's how we do it. There you go. There you go. (laughs) So give me a call. So guys, there's a bunch of ways you can support the Magic Our Way podcast. You can click on some of our affiliate links on our website. You can also buy us some beignets and support the show that way. You can also represent the Moeka Nation wherever you go by purchasing some clothing from our shop. And lastly, the easiest way to do it is to leave a rating and a review in iTunes or wherever you download the show, whether it is Stitcher, Blueberry, Google Play, etc. Also, remember that we are part of the BS Podcast Network, whose motto is we speak our minds so you don't have to. So be sure to support our partners in podcasting over there. And of course, guys, we thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to us and making us a part of your Disney fan life. We appreciate you and love hearing from our listeners. All opinions are welcome on the Magic Are We podcast, so get in touch with us today. So, Mohegans, ladies and gentlemen, we say Quaharini. My name is Kevin. And I'm Danny. Magic out. Say it, Lee. I have every intention of eating those bananas for breakfast, but somehow I still end up with beaver nuggets. The necessities of Mother Nature's hey guys. Hey, you hear that? Yeah. Yes. You know what that is? Tony Bennett? It is Tony Bennett. Oh man, Italians recognizing Italian. Hey, you know what song like that? What song is he singing? Well, the song that Lee couldn't sing when he was trying to do it for the Navigator. Oh, wow. Hey, but do you know what I'm listening it on? This is Mad Hatter Radio, which is an radio, online radio station of Disney fan stuff that we have partnered up with, man. How you like that? Partners here on the Gulf Coast, Magic Carway and Mad Hatter Radio. Mm-hmm. Oh, creative buffs on radio stuff. That's like right. It. Yeah, it's good. It's another outlet. Uh huh. You know, it, 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 what's good about it? Yeah, let me tell you what's good. But you hear Tony Bennett. Mm-hmm. But you could probably hear Bare Necessities done by like a, a metal group, a heavy metal group. You could mm-hmm. probably hear a country version of this. Oh wow! You could probably hear like a funk version, James Brown type of. Hi. Give me Bare Necessities. <laughs> oh, get him, get up again. Oh yeah. You know? Hot tub. What you say now, <laughs> Disney? That's right. You can hear that all on the station, man. It's, <laughs> they don't just give you the normal spiels and 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 r- attraction sounds, but they give you. Every creative variation that other artists have taken to the standard Disney songs, like Tony Bennett right here, this yeah. little jazzy version of the Bare Necessities. You know. I'm thinking about Goodfellas right now. I don't know why. 
Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. Boy, listen to this station, okay? It's good for you. It's good for me. It's going to go ahead. It's going to help you out. It's going to make me out. It's going to be really good. Okay? Man had a radio. Bada bing, bada boom. Just do it, huh? 